0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, lagonvalleyvineyard.com. Let's pray for Hannah as she teaches us today. Father, I thank you for Hannah and her carrying of your kingdom and the way she so beautifully opens up your word to us. That's a skill and a blessing in our church family that she has, and we are grateful for her. So come, Holy Spirit, bring your word alive to us as Hannah speaks and shares with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just take a wee minute to get set up here. Bear with me. many things to do (laughs) scroll 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 okay amazing Uh, good morning My name is Hannah, if we haven't met before, and I am part of the team here at um, Lagan Valley Vineyard. I was about to say, love Lagan Valley. Um, If you're on the live stream, we're so um, happy that you're joining with us today, and we feel very much that you're a part of everything that is going on in this place as we gather And if you're new with us this morning, um, over the last two weeks, we have begun a new series called Walk This Way, where we're looking at what practices do we need to inhabit if we are to be formed by Jesus, not just in our thoughts or in a couple of moments before we go out to work, but what does it look like for us as a community to walk every step of our day in the way of Jesus. And last week, Emma Wilson taught us incredibly about the importance and the practice of rest. And today, we're gonna look at spiritual hunger. We're gonna be in the book of Colossians. Uh, We're not gonna work through the text verse by verse, but we're gonna focus on a few key points if you wanna go ahead um, and open that up. I'm not too sure what page it is if anyone's got it. It's chapter three. Has anybody got it in the Black Bible and can shout out what page number it is? 818. it. Amazing great so I'm going to read this um, and then we're going to just move into a time of teaching and then we're going to close with a time of worship and communion which we're going to invite um, all of our kids back into but I will let you know a wee bit more about that later on but first let me read our teaching text from Colossians 3 verse 1 to 15. Holy Spirit come. Unity. I wonder if you are an internal or an external processor. Do you think things through, through silently pondering? um, Or do you like to verbally bounce ideas off those around you? Why don't you take five seconds to think this through? And I want, if you're an external processor, hands up. Internal processor, keep it down can already see some internal processors. Do you think that I do that? I'm not sure if I do that. I think I do do that. (laughs) I am an internal processor, through and through, and I love to spend my time silently contemplating and debating life's biggest questions for about three to four working days. And then, at about five minutes to midnight, just as James, my husband, is about to fall asleep, James, I've been thinking about what it is that sets human beings apart from everything else. <laughs> Silence. He does not laugh. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> I kid you not, this is a regular occurrence in our home. And shout out to James and the boys who are currently at Latitude Festival in Suffolk. I hope, if you're watching this, that Matt wakes you up in the middle of the night in my absence. But genuinely, what is it about human beings that are so set apart from everything else in the world? Like, I will be the first person to tell you that nature and creation is absolutely incredible. Like, it absolutely blows my mind. And a couple of months ago, I was watching Green Planet by David Attenborough. And in episode three, there was this episode. It was incredible about trees. Do you know that trees can talk to each other? There's a thing called a mycorrhizal network. And this is basically like a fungus that is attached to their roots. And they're able to send warnings to other trees. So if one tree gets sick, they send messages to all the other trees in their vicinity to let them know what it is that they've got. So the other trees start um, making like the antibodies to repel the disease. And mother trees, they're able to identify saplings in their vicinity, and they can send them nutrients. Absolutely incredible. Green Planet, episode three, David Attenborough. You should definitely watch it. Nature is incredible, but there is something, even I have to admit, about humanity that sets us apart from everything else. And I think what this thing is, is our ability to hunger, not hunger in the sense of physically for food, but to long for things, to desire. The ability uh, to hunger for creativity, it's made books and albums and, and novels and plays, and a hunger for discovery has built airplanes and spacecrafts. The hunger for human life has founded vaccines and medicines. A hunger for money has generated poverty and greed. A hunger for power has fed injustice and segregation. And a hunger for the self has created loneliness and discontent. Our ability to hunger, to desire for things, is incredibly powerful. Depending on what we hunger for, it becomes the driving force of everything that we do, the choices that we make in our day, whether we are aware of them or not. Cultural commentators have been tracking our relationship with hunger and desire over recent years and they find it both interesting and concerning. Mark Sayers notes that in reaction to regimes like Nazism and Communism, the world which we live in has become incredibly fearful and reactive to anything that tells us what we should or should not desire, what we should hunger for. And instead, we're encouraged to just hunger for whatever you want. That this is where you'll find purpose and meaning and where you will flourish as a human being. But the cracks are starting to show. Letting our hunger run rampant is producing the exact opposite of flourishing. Think about this. We are relational, communal beings, right? And so we carry these devices around so that we can have an unlimited connection to those around us. Yet instead of it causing my social life to flourish, I find myself becoming increasingly relieved whenever plans get cancelled. And the very thing that was created to connect me with other people around me, it starts to act as a numbing device as I mindlessly scroll and lose 30 minutes in the blink of an eye. I hungered for social connection and yet I find myself hungry for isolation. Or church community. Lockdowns meant that we couldn't gather in person anymore and so we invested in live streams because we still hungered for church community, for our services. Yet instead of causing our church community to flourish, we found ourselves consuming Hillsong for worship and John Mark Comer for sermons in the comfort of our pajamas and it left us with a lack of motivation to get out the door and back into the weekly rhythm of church once restrictions were lifted. And again, I'm talking to myself. I hungered for church community, and yet I find myself struggling to commune. Our hungers and our desires, when they're left unguided, they become dysfunctional. They just simply don't act as they were meant to. And in the text that we read together, Paul, the author, understood the importance of guiding our hunger. Verse one to two. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. To set your heart or mind on something, it means to strongly desire or hunger for it. And so, what Paul is saying is, focus the hungers of your heart on things above. Move the desires of your minds from earthly things to things above. Some of us, if we're honest, we might find our place this morning where we feel a bit numb in our faith, if we're honest. We maybe don't feel overly hungry for practicing the ways of Jesus, even though we really want to. And this isn't because you're losing your faith or that Jesus has run down the road without you and you need to catch up. It's because we forget or we're unaware that we can and, in fact, need to guide our desires. So how do we do this? What do we do when we aren't really hungry for the things that we want to be hungry for? Really simply, we need a plan. About six months ago, I watched Seaspiracy. If you haven't heard of it, It's a documentary, and it um, it dives into the fishing industry and uncovers practices of human trafficking and animal cruelty that's key in bringing fish to our supermarkets. And after watching it, I was deeply challenged, and I felt like I needed to do something, that I needed to change my habits to avoid contributing to the problem. And so I decided we would start using our local fishmonger um, on a Tuesday at the Lisburn market. About three weeks in, one Saturday, I was scrolling, numbing myself, and I found an amazing fish taco recipe that I wanted to try that evening. So I went out to get my ingredients, got most of what I needed, and then I nipped into Tesco on my way home. As I picked up the prawns, my heart sunk as I saw sourced from Vietnam on the front of the packet and I remembered the documentary and the people that had been forced into slavery in order for this to reach me. And so I put them back on the shelf and I decided that I would drive out to Marks and Spencer's instead in the hope that they would have something more local. Arrived at Marksie's, found the prawns, couldn't see any mention on the front of them um, of them being from Vietnam. So we checked the back of the packet and lo and behold, in the small print sourced in Vietnam, I really tried to be more responsible. But by this point, I'd bought all the other ingredients. It was veering on 5 o'clock. And I had already got the ingredients and didn't know what else I was going to do, what I was going to cook with them. So I just bought the prawns, sourced exactly the same as in Tesco, but now double the price, (laughs) because that's how how Marx's likes to rule. After watching the documentary, I, I never wanted to buy prawns again from Vietnam, but three weeks later, I found myself exactly the same way as I had been before, but this time accompanied by a new weight of guilt. And so often, I think we find ourselves in the same rut when we try to follow Jesus, I hear a talk on a Sunday morning and I leave feeling deeply convicted, but by Wednesday I'm buying Vietnamese prawns again. Or I'm in worship and I have this overwhelming sense that no matter where I go, that Jesus' presence never leaves me and by Wednesday I've got Vietnamese prawns. The disconnect where I keep going wrong, it lies in the fact that I keep believing that I can think my way into guiding my hunger without an actual plan. Now on a um, a Sunday night, James and I, we map out what fish we're gonna eat in the week. And then I go to the market on Tuesday and I pick it up. It's super simple. But as we continue to do this week in and week out, we don't even have to think about it anymore. It just becomes a habit. And now we actually find ourselves finding that really easy and we want to get the rest of our groceries locally. What started with a small, simple plan, it's starting to create a hunger and a desire in us that is able to be practiced in our day-to-day Do you have a plan for spiritual hunger to be formed in your life? If we look at verses 8 to 10 of our teaching text, we notice that after Paul tells us to focus on our desires and to focus our hungers towards Jesus, that he has a plan, and he is really direct about what this is to look like and what it isn't to look like. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which has been renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Verse eight is pretty full-on, I know. Rid yourselves of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Goes on to say anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language on your lips. Those last five things, I happened to come across them yesterday. On the Belsize road, when the car in front of me got road rage, because they were stuck behind a bike. Rage, anger, malice, slander, and some filthy language. I don't myself massively struggle with road rage. And I know that's probably because I'm the one that's going 40 miles an hour down the A1. Because I'm silently contemplating some very, very important things. But I do experience road rage whenever I haven't done two things. One, if I haven't planned my day properly and I'm running late. And two, if I hadn't made sure that I have some time in my week that I'm feeling emotionally rested, because otherwise I just get caught up in the rush, rush, rush of everything. And Then I find myself, I'm not even late for something, but I just feel like I need to get there and somebody's slow in front of me, and I'm like, oh! Rage, anger, malice, slander, filthy language. Forming a spiritual hunger in us, it requires active participation. Paul talks about this in verse 10. He uses the language of taking off your old self with its practices and putting on the new self. We are the ones that become responsible for taking off our old hungers and putting on our new ones. And this is done through our plan, through practices, habits, rituals that we have that are rooted in God's love. And although we can be challenged and we can be encouraged from talks on a Sunday, without getting practical and making a plan, we will be going back to road rage and Vietnamese prawns by Wednesday. we need to practice spiritual hunger by being intentional with the small, everyday habits that are anchored in the likeness of Jesus. And these things will guide our desires and continue to form us. What do some of these habits look like properly? Let me list them off um, just really quickly. Number one, reading or listening to the Bible. This is why we're doing the big family read together where we're working our way through Mark. It's not just to gain more knowledge of the Bible, although that is true, but we're doing this to try and instill the habit of picking up the scriptures because when we do this, we become formed by it. It starts to shape us, what we see in the world, and how we interact. If you find this hard to do this by yourself, make a plan to read it alongside somebody for accountability. I did this for the Big Family Bible Read because I knew that I needed it. And so I reached out to a friend, Claire Murphy. I see you there. And literally, we just message each other when we've read the text. Like, we just send a text, done just so we know we've kept reading. But sometimes then we start to find ourselves that we're sending through reflections along with our messages, that we're starting to hunger for more than just sitting and reading it. We want to understand, we want a deeper hunger for what Jesus was teaching and what that would look like in our lives. Or practicing habits like Lectio Divina, slowly reading a piece of scripture, paying attention to the words and phrases that stand out, and then holding them in our hearts as we go about our day. Another habit is praying and listening to God. Through praying, we become attuned to the desires of God. We become sensitive to what he is saying as we go about our day and we start to find ourselves becoming a bit interrupted by his voice. This looks like setting time aside at the start of our day during a lunch break and before bedtime just to fix our attention, to fix our desires back on the hymn. Maybe it's taking a moment before a meal or that first cup of coffee just to thank God for what you're grateful for and to ask for reminders of his presence to sustain us through the day. Another habit is responding to the spirit. And some days this looks like coming forward whenever something resonates with you to come forward and be prayed for. It's, it's praying for somebody three rows back because you just noticed them and you're not too sure why. It's acting on what you feel like God is saying as you go about your day. Asking if that work colleague needs prayed for for their sore neck. Checking in on your neighbor just because their name popped into your head. Acting on things and seeing what happens. Another is the habit of community, sharing meals together and asking how people really are. It's getting involved with what churches do in projects like Love, Lagom Valley. It looks like tithing and giving to those in need, showing up to tribes or small groups or gatherings, even when you don't feel like it or need to know that you don't have it all together. It's asking for prayer whenever you need it. Leaning on each other, learning to pray with and for each other and filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Last week we learned about the importance of the habit of rest. Healthy, intentional rest, not my plans just got cancelled kind of rest. Rest. We need to take time to rest spiritually and physically and emotionally, intellectually, and socially. And if you haven't heard Emma's talk from last week, can I please encourage you to go and do so? Band, why don't you guys um, jump up? Internal processors, if it lost you about 10 minutes ago, Now's a good time to jump back in. Let's sum this up. How do we become a community that is marked by a hunger for the desires of God? Firstly, we need to be attentive to the things that we hunger. We need to be aware that there's lots of things that are trying to get our attention Secondly, we need to guide these desires towards God so that the ways of Jesus can become formed in our lives. How do we do this? We need to have a plan so we don't end up with Vietnamese prawns by Wednesday. What does this plan look like? It's made up of practicing the small, everyday habits that are anchored in the image of Jesus. And as we continue through this series, we're going to be continually challenged and reminded of habits and practices that we need to inhabit in our lives Right now, I would love for us to close by sharing as a family the habit and practice of communion. You'll have received little cup things.